On August 10th, 2017, at about 7 p.m., independent journalist Kim Wall, aged 30, went out on the submarine called UC-3 Nautilus with the Danish inventor Peter Madsen, aged 46. She was supposed to write a portrait of him, and this was the first interview, but Kim Wall never returned from that trip. Hi, and welcome back to True Crime Sweden. I am your host, Pernilla. Thank you for all the positive feedback on the first two episodes. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you want to reach me, you can do so by emailing me at truecrimesweden at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search for True Crime Sweden. This episode is not going to be one of my longest episodes because this case is still ongoing and we have far from all the information. But I'm trying to put together a little information about Kim and about Peter and then about the scenario day to day. And I also want to point out that Peter Madsen has not been convicted. We don't know what happened, I guess only Peter Madsen and Kim Wall really know what took place that evening. Well, here we go. This is the case of Kim Wall. Kim Isabel Frederica Wall was an independent journalist with the whole world as her work field. She was born in Trelleborg in the south parts of Sweden on March 23, 1987. She grew up with her parents Ingrid and Joachim and her older brother Tom, who also worked as a journalist. She had a bachelor's degree in international relations from London School of Economics and Political Science from 2011 and a master's degree in international affairs from Columbia University in New York. She also studied in Beijing and in Paris. And in 2016, she received an award for the best digital reportage for her piece on nuclear testing and climate changes on Marshall Islands. She has been published in The Guardian, New York Post, Time, Harper's, Foreign Policy, South China Morning Post, and many other publications. Kim cared about the people less fortunate 
She cared about wrongdoings in the world, and she wrote about it. She is described by her friends as a happy, curious, and loving person. She was brave, and she had so much more to give to this world. She was now going to write about a well-known inventor, Peter Madsen, and his latest project of building his own submarine. Her plan was to make a portrait of him and his deeds. That was why she went on the submarine with him that evening. But who is Peter Madsen? Peter Langskjær Madsen was born in Sæby in Denmark on January 12, 1971. When he was about seven, his mother took his three older brothers and left. Peter grew up with his father, who was 80 years old. And I did say that correctly. He was 80 years old. And he was a very conservative and strict person. Peter's father had a strong interest in old vehicles, airplanes and boats. And that was probably the reason that Peter picked up this interest. When he was a child, Peter was very into science and experiments with different burning fuels. And he tried as a child to construct a rocket. Peter's father passed away when he was only 17 years old. His interest in rockets stays with him throughout his life and he became a constructor and inventor and was known in Denmark as Rocket Madsen. He got this name due to his fascination in rockets in space. He had a goal and that was to build a homemade rocket and to be able to travel into space with it. He was the co-founder of two different organizations whose goals was to to send people into space. Between 2001 and 2002, he built his first submarine called UC-1 Freya. His interest in submarines continued and in 2008, his third and the world's largest homemade submarine was finished. It was called UC-3 Nautilus. It was about 17 meters or 18 yards long and weighed about 35 ton. Peter Madsen's friends describe him as someone who is a bit eccentric and kind of the crazy scientist. He could easily get angry, but it never turned into violence. And they say that they cannot imagine him ever killing anyone. But seriously, I've never ever heard a friend of a suspected murderer say that they saw it coming. I also want to mention that Peter Madsen is married, but he has no kids. His wife has not been present in the media at all. But one of his mistresses, Miss Deidre King, gave an interview with a tabloid magazine called Extra Bladet. She explains that Peter liked to push limits 
but only if his partner agreed to it. And according to the same article, Peter Madsen and his wife were in an open relationship, and the wife supposedly knew about the mistresses. But let's go back to the day when this case started. Kim Wall and Peter Madsen goes out on the submarine UC-3 Nautilus at about 7 p.m. on Thursday, August 10th, 2017. A picture of them is taken about half an hour later by a person walking by and spotting the submarine still sailing above water. Kim is smiling and looks straight into the camera. This is the last known picture of her. They were supposed to be away for a few hours, and when Kim still hasn't returned at 2.30 a.m., her boyfriend reports her missing to the police. He tells the police what has happened and that the submarine didn't come back as planned. The submarine was equipped with satellite tracking, so after the alarm was raised, rescue vessels searched for the submarine for hours. Later. A merchant ship reports that at about midnight on the same night that Kim went missing, they were within 100 feet or about 30 meters of the submarine. The submarine was then unlit and located in the southern parts of Ödesund, closer to Sweden. The next morning, information comes out that Peter Madsen has been picked up by a private boat that spotted him in the water of Öresund. But it actually went down like this. When the boat approached the submarine, it started to sink, and Peter Madsen jumped into the water and was almost immediately rescued by the boat. The police first thought that the submarine went down due to malfunction, but it's later determined that the sinking had been deliberate. At this time, Kim Wall is nowhere to be found. Peter Madsen says during the first hour after he's been rescued that he's fine, but that he's sad that his submarine Nautilus sank. He explains that it was some problems with the ballast or, uh, that caused the submarine to sink. At first, Peter Madsen claimed that he had let Kim Wall off at 10.30 p.m. near the restaurant Halvannet on Refshalvön close to where he picked her up earlier. The restaurant closed at 10 that Sunday, but the surveillance camera belonging to the restaurant was still on. The footage is obtained by the police, but it does not match Peter Madsen's story. A colleague of Peter Madsen, who was scheduled to go to Bornholm with him on the submarine the next day, 
told the police that he received a text from Peter Madsen at about 10.30 p.m. on Thursday night. That was about the same time that Madsen claims to have let Kim wall off by the restaurant. The text said that he had to cancel the trip the next day. The man texted back and asked why, but he didn't get a reply. Peter Madsen is arrested the day after Kim went missing, on the same day, day that he turned up in the water. He is charged with involuntary manslaughter. On that same night, Friday, August 11th, the police conduct a search of Peter Madsen's office. They confiscate a computer. At about the same time, a body ex examination of Peter Madsen is conducted. Kim Wall's DNA is found on Peter Madsen's hand, his neck, and in his nostrils. The Danish police goes through the emails between Peter Madsen and Kim Wall, and the conversation is strictly professional. Kim was going to write a personal portrait of Madsen, and the two of them decides that a short trip with a submarine would be a good start. There are no indications that Kim Wall and Peter Madsen knew each other before this. The police bring in divers and they try to enter the sunken vessel but they are unsuccessful. The police believe that the submarine was tampered with. It wouldn't have gone down like that otherwise. They suspect that Peter Madsen made the submarine sink to cover up what really happened to Kim. The submarine is now considered to be a crime scene, and it has to be investigated. So, on Saturday, August 12th, the charges against Peter Madsen is changed from involuntary manslaughter to manslaughter. The manslaughter charge in Denmark equals an intentional homicide charge. The judge ordered that he be held for four more weeks and uh, the next hearing is scheduled for October 3rd. And on that same day, Saturday, August 12th, the police are able to tow the submarine to shore to begin the investigation. The next day, on Sunday, August 13th, the police holds a press conference in which they inform the media and the public that Kim Wall was not found inside the submarine and that the search for her continues. They also say that they consider the submarine to be the crime scene and that crime scene investigators are conducting a thorough search of the submarine. They did find blood inside the submarine that matches Kim's DNA. On Thursday, August 17th, on the show Efterlyst, or Wanted, the family asked the public to come forward with any information that can lead the police to find Kim. They wrote a letter to address the public. This is what it said. 
we, Kimball's parents and brother, are experiencing the worst days of our lives right now. No one can come close to understanding what we are going through. Kim has traveled to so many dangerous places in her work as a journalist, and we have many times worried about her. That something would happen in Copenhagen, just a few miles from her childhood home, we didn't even consider. Right now, it seems that the worst possible did happen. Therefore, we, Ingrid, Joachim and Tom Wall, wants to plead to anyone and everyone that in some way or other can help us find out what has happened, please do so. We have great trust in the police and their way of working, and we hope that the public will contribute with information that can lead the case forward. Please contact the police in Copenhagen or Malmö and share your sightings. We wouldn't want anything more than to get Kim home alive, but we realize that the chances of that are very small. Let us then at least know what happened. About one and a half week later, on August 21st, a torso of a woman is found in the waters by Amage's south coastal line. And with the help of DNA, it's later found out that the torso belongs to Kim. When Madsen is confronted with this evidence, he changes his story and says that there had been a terrible accident on the boat. He claims that the 150-pound heavy latch fell down on her head and that he then gave her a burial at sea. Peter Madsen denies killing or mutilating her. He says that he panicked when the heavy latch fell on her and that he used a rope to drag her body up on deck and then he dumped her into the water, giving her a seaman's burial. On Saturday, October 7th, the Copenhagen police reveals that they have found more body parts belonging to Kim Wall. They were found in plastic bags in the ocean, and they all contained metal pipes to weigh the bags down with. Both her legs and also her head is found. The coroner can later establish that the head does not have the injuries to back up Peter Madsen's story about Kim getting a 150-pound heavy latch in her head. Peter Madsen's lawyer, Bettina Hald Engmark, maintain, maintains that her client is pleading not guilty and he has not confessed. She also states that the DNA match on board of the vessel does not change her client's explanation that an accident had occurred. But on October 30th, Peter Madsen admits that he in fact dismembered her, but he changes his story yet again, now claiming that she died from carbon monoxide poisoning at the time where he was up on deck. 
on the arrest hearing, a hearing to decide whether they can keep him in custody or not, uh, that was taking place on October 3rd. More gruesome facts came out to the public. There were several puncture wounds found on Kim's torso, including 14 stab wounds to her genitals alone. These stab wounds had been caused around or shortly after her death. The reason for these stab wounds, the police believe, is so that gas can leave the body easily and don't risk that the body floats up to the surface. The torso was also weighed down with metal pipes. And it's also established that her limbs had been removed with the help of a saw. It also comes out that on the hard drive collected in Peter Madsen's office, the police found several videos containing very disturbing material. The videos contained grim violence, torture, and even dismembering of women who were still alive. The prosecutor points out that those videos are not made by Madsen, but the content is very disturbing and the fact that they are found on a hard drive belonging to Madsen just strengthens the case against him. The Swedish police assist the case in bringing in two highly qualified dogs named Ace and Ben to help in the search. Ace and Ben are specialized in searching for dead bodies. I just have to mention that my husband's father used to be a police officer. He's retired now, but um, when he was working he had his own dog and that dog was also specialized in finding dead bodies. And because these things interest me, uh, I asked him about how it works. And he told me that they go out on a boat and the dog is placed on deck and instructed to search. And a well-trained dog can detect a dead body or body parts, no matter how deep down they are. Body parts let off small particles that rise to the surface. And the dog's perfect nose can smell that as soon as the particles comes in contact with air. It's kind of neat. Back to the case. And with the help of Ace and Ben, on November 21st, another body part is found. This time an arm. It's been weighed down with an iron pipe on a similar similar matter as the previous findings. Now the police... Uh, have been able to recover everything except for one arm. And this is where we are right now. Peter Madsen remains in custody. He has not been convicted of anything yet. The trial is set to start in the beginning of next year. And after that we will hopefully know more about what really happened on the submarine. Or maybe we won't. We just don't know how much he will tell us. Kim's family and friends created a fund in Kim Wald's memory. 
In about two months, the donation comes up to a total of $138,000. The funds collected will be directed to the International Women's Media Foundation, who have agreed to administer this grant. The grant will fund a young female reporter to cover subculture, broadly defined, and what Kim liked to call the undercurrents of rebellion. The purpose of the fund is to honor Kim's legacy. Kim wanted more women to be out in the world, brushing up against life, and we would like to help bend the world in her vision, her family says on her memorial site, rememberingkimwall.com. If you would like to donate to Kim's fund, there is a GoFundMe page at gofundme.com slash rememberingkimwall. That's all for today. This case was tough to cover. Just imagining being out on a submarine, far out in the sea, and being attacked. Nobody can hear you scream. It's just awful. Rest in peace, Kimball. And in Swedish, Vila i frid, Kimball. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you will tune in for the next episode as well. If you want to reach me, you can email me at truecrimesweden at gmail.com or find me on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search for True Crime Sweden. And I hope to see you next week again. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Hej då.